Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. In this new digital world, organizations are seeing engagement with brands across multiple platforms, channels, and strategies but many still struggle to monetize this engagement, making ROI difficult to convey. To help you understand new ways to monetize marketing efforts across channels, enroll in the Institute for Brand Marketing, a complimentary program for marketers developed in collaboration between IBM Watson Advertising and Adweek. Course 2, Monetizable Engagement, starts in December and will cover methods for attributing sales and other KPIs to marketing efforts. Get started today at adweek.com IBM That's adweek.com slash IBM. You're listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad. This is the Adweek Podcast, where we talk about marketing, media, technology, pop culture, because in the end, everything is an ad. I'm David Greiner. I'm the creative and innovation editor here at Adweek, uh, and so excited to have back our co-host, Coem. Yay! I'm, I'm glad to be back. I'm glad to welcome in the new year. Yeah, our first episode in the new decade not to mention the new year for 2020. And uh, we've got a lot to talk about. Uh, the thing about the beginning of, of each year uh, in the marketing world is that you kind of you, you don't get a break. Um, you dive, as soon as you come back from the holidays, you dive right into CES. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we've got uh, the Super Bowl, uh, some people have heard of. And, uh, and then we've got uh, South by Southwest. And all of those like hit back to back to back. And so it's uh, it, it always takes a little minute <clears throat> to like stretch and get the uh you know get the metabolism going again <laughs> so we hope everyone who's listening has had a really nice long holiday break um, i don't know if there are any fellow podcasters or um video folks out there but there's this thing, thing that we do which is collecting room tone and i use it as my meditative break um to oh, kind of collect yeah. no, myself totally. <laughs> I've been I've been telling people this for years and like everyone always laughs. I'm like the the most the thirty seconds or so of room tone that we do leading into every podcast is like my one moment of absolute calm. It, like period. Yeah, you just get <laughs> to listen life. to like your own breath for a second with headphones on and without any other distractions and you have to do it, right? Um and, and it just it feels great and then and then we get to really dive back into it. So speaking of diving into it, we are going to be talking to some of the Adweek team that's going to CES, aka the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas, one of the biggest, uh if not the biggest tech events uh, in the world. And uh and every year we send quite a team up there to see what brands are doing, what the tech trends are. It's an interesting landscape for media going into 2020 this year because we have a number of of media companies who have now merged some of their smaller brands into these big, gigantic now portfolios. Uh, We have a whole issue that you can uh, read about it this week. And so we'll be talking to some of them today. Yeah, and if you're at CES, you can pick up a copy of our latest issue where we have um, great coverage on 
different trends and data on telehealth. Um, and on this podcast, we're also going to speak with the SVP of Marketing Communications at the CTA. She has some interesting things to say about keynote speaker Ivanka Trump and also about diversity as an initiative at the first big tech conference of the year. We're going to be covering everything from, you know, best practices to build a diverse workforce all the way through to how to address some of the challenges we're seeing today in um, bias in AI. But first, David, I thought that we could do a little bit of Q&A because you and I have just really gotten to know each other. And now we're going to be doing the podcast together throughout 2020. As far as I know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like a friendship <laughs> trial by fire. Just like, hey, we've been working together for, you know, like four and a half minutes. And now we are co-hosting a podcast <laughs> together. But but uh, yeah, no, it's been it's been a blast getting to know you over the last few months and getting you on the podcast. Uh, but uh, but yeah, we, uh, you know, we haven't gotten to spend much time actually talking as human beings other than just what we're doing every day. Yeah, although I would say you've been super welcoming. Um, and, and what I know about you so far is um, that First of all, we both share um, a journalism background. Well, yeah, that's a good thing to have in a magazine. <laughs> and I, I think also a love for creativity um, and perhaps some more holistic practices. Um, I have a couple questions for you. Um, this is a... This is just, I should set the table by saying this is absolutely the most terrifying thing I've ever done on this podcast. <laughs> so I, have to, I'm, I feel so much more comfortable asking everyone else to share their innermost secrets. But okay, yes, so hit me. Yes. Okay. So I'm not sure if you do or do not do resolutions. Yeah. So um, my family, we actually keep a notebook uh, with our Christmas like holiday decorations and we pull out the notebook every year and we write down a bunch of resolutions for the next year and we check how we did on the previous year's resolutions. Um, and with a pretty good track record, it's usually like uh, learn a new skill or tackle some huge house project, you know, that we have been meaning to get around to and haven't gotten around to. So it's usually kind of a mix. They're not often very holistic in the sense of like, I, and this has just been maybe due to my age or just due to kind of the reality, is I don't put things like be more open to new ideas, you know, just because those are really intangible and they're hard to measure at the end of the year. Right. Um, so like this year, um, I've got kind of a mix of certain things of, of, you know, personal goals and professional goals and some of them. But like one of them is I'm trying to learn uh, American Sign Language, uh, ASL. And that, that's a goal I've had for a while, but I've never put in writing. Um, and so I've, you know, started putting together some resources to do that. But that's one where I don't know. I don't know how you decide when you have learned it. You know what I mean? It's I like, guess when you start like, like dreaming somehow in it. Or or just or, or can hold a basic conversation, yeah. maybe. Um, but it's like you know, I've been trying to learn French for uh, twenty five years, and I've never, I you know, I still don't feel like I know French. Uh, so that's one where uh, learning sign language. I, I think if I can just figure out the basics to have a polite conversation with someone, I'll feel like I've uh, I've accomplished it. So that, that you know, that's one of the bigger ones. Uh, and then, like I said, a bunch of just like house projects and things like that. But we try to keep it tangible, where it's things you can measure. What about you? Um. Well, I actually put too many goals on myself, so I I, I don't have an account family accountability book, um, but I do uh, <laughs> post on social media, and I figured that's my way of being responsible to myself. And my thing is really just um, aligning myself with my values versus being so goal oriented. Um, that way, I think you know I have more freedom to 
to really feel through things, you know? So I, well, the one thing that you have learned so far about me in our Slack conversations is that I, I try to um, not think so much and, and do so much and instead feel more. Yeah, I can see how, you know, anyone who gets to know you pretty can tell like right away that you're the kind of person who probably has to like on the one hand wants to jump on everything and wants to be part of everything, but probably has to be you know, force yourself to be a little selective on what you what you throw yourself up because everything that comes up, you're always, you know, like like uh yeah, yeah, I wanna I wanna be a part of that. Can I be a part of that? I wanna help with that. <laughs> and that that's amazing to have as like a coworker and someone who's on the podcast with you, but on the same time has to be at some point, you know, you everyone spreads themselves thin and, and uh that's gotta be the downside of that. Yeah, I'm yeah. So to your point, it's like I'm very genuinely excited about it, but um also sustainability. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, now that you mention it, there is one set of professional goals that I'll mention just because, I don't know, it, it kind of helped me. I, I think going into the last few years, like two years ago, maybe three years ago, I, you know, I do a, a, a relatively good number of public speaking appearances at conferences or at wherever and, and uh, you know, at Adweek things too. Um, and a few years ago, I decided I was going to, I could took this approach of like share the spotlight, you know, that if, if you get an opportunity to do something, use that opportunity to lift someone else up right. next to you. Um, and so if I got invited to moderate something, you know, and, and like a lot of people, I mean, I have a few personal rules of wh- what I will and, and won't participate in. Like I won't be a part of any kind of all male panel. You know, so if I'm invited on something, I'll say yeah, I can replace myself with a woman or, you know, to find a way to help make it or add someone to the panel. And that's been really interesting, you know, and no one's ever fought back on it. You know, <laughs> no one's ever been like, no, please don't. Um, and so that, you know, that was kind of the sharing the spotlight. This past year, I, I took this approach of of kind of just get out of the way and just give someone the spotlight. Uh, so that when I was invited to do something or involved with something, I would try to you know, just put someone else at the center stage instead of just saying, I'll be up there with them. Um, And I think that, you know, it sounds easy enough, but in the end, I think all of us have a a little bit of ego. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, we all, we all like the attention. We all like being a part of something. It is hard to say, I've been invited to do this, but I'm going to say no, because I think someone else deserves it more. Uh, But I, I think it was really helpful to have that mindset going into the last year, um, and you know, everyone, if you're, I, I would just say that if anyone, if you're successful in what you do, that there, that it, it doesn't hurt you in any way to take this approach. Like nothing about my career in the last year suffered because I gave other people those opportunities. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, you know, generosity is, um, really commendable and back to your point about, um, inclusivity, you know, not only do I, do we talk about that um, with our guests later in the podcast? But this podcast, I know um, from your voicing of um, it that this podcast should also feature diverse voices and diverse ideas. So hopefully this year, you know, together we can um, really bring that more to life even. Yeah, you know, it's something I don't I don't know if we've ever even addressed this publicly on the podcast. I mean, I'm certainly not like ashamed of it or anything. Um, but we established a rule when we created this podcast maybe four years ago now or whenever it was. It's We're in, we're in low, uh, 106, 150-something episodes. And we uh, we said there would never be an all-male uh, episode 
Um, and the only exceptions, we've held true to that uh, for all 150 whatever episodes. Uh, the only exception, I think, has been when we've done some interview podcasts, like bonus episodes. So if, it, you know, if I'm overseas at something and I interview one person, uh, then that limits your ability, you know, of course. But uh, other than that, I don't think we've ever had a panel episode where it was just, uh, you know, a bunch of white guys sitting around talking. I mean, that's like the the standing joke of, of you know, of a, of a podcast, right? It's like there, there was some joke uh, on Twitter going around a few years ago of, you know, it's like how you call a group of ravens, uh, you know, mur- or crows, what is it, murder of murder of ravens or whatever and uh you know what do you call a group of a group of white men it's called a podcast (laughs) (laughs) and so we've we've tried to hold true to that but i think it just it's one of those things like some people say oh you shouldn't limit yourself in any way i mean it's a good goal it's a good goal to say that we should always try to make room for other voices uh, beyond just you know the having three or four of the same uh, people from the same backgrounds on on one podcast but yeah that's something we take pride in yeah yeah Completely. Um, so yeah. uh, it's my t- it's my turn. Oh, I got to ask you something. Okay, so you have a journalism background, but you're somewhat new to the world of advertising and marketing, I believe. So what what have you learned about? I always wonder about this. If we have such an insular view of marketing and advertising, from I've been covering this for uh, is thirteen something years now, and I'm curious what you have learned about the industry since coming into it as a, a bit more of an outsider. Ah, um, well, the the thing is universal is, um, how important leadership is. Um, and, uh, also for me, what I've seen, especially in the coverage of ads and campaigns is how different, um, American marketing is, um, as compared to the rest of the world. Um, yeah. yeah. So I know that we've talked about that briefly, um, and, you know, I, I think I've pivoted uh, towards marketing um, in the world of branded con- through the world of branded content. So I've been able to see, you know, how important um, it is for certain KPIs to be met. Um, and really uh, everything is kind of shifting towards that digital um, digitalization and, and moving at a, a way faster pace than I think um, many of us can wrap our heads around. Yeah, it's interesting to be exposed to kind of the pressures uh, on the marketing industry, um, which, you know, I'm not saying people should be sympathetic to marketers or anything, but, uh, you know, it's the the stuff you see as a consumer, uh, it doesn't always make it clear kind of what is happening to the, it, what kind of pressure those marketers are under um, and when you only see the finished product. Um, but but I think there's, you know, there's interesting other impacts it has on you too. I, I worked in advertising for about eight years before I um, came on full-time with Adweek. And before that, I was just a news editor. Um, I didn't have anything to do with marketing. And the thing, the process of working at an ad agency, for me, I I can, and everyone's experience is going to be different. Uh, But for me, it made me a much better writer. Uh, You know, I'd been writing pretty much my whole life. But uh, what I realized after my my eight years working in an agency is that you're forced to write for other people. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you're forced to write through other lenses, right? Like if you write a bank ad, like I was writing ads for rich people who own yachts. And then on the other hand, I was writing ads for, uh, you know, these 50 cent snack cakes that you buy at the grocery store uh, and and all these different demographics. And you have to write, you have to throw your, your voice and your ego and all that out the window and just write for, uh, you know, basically write under a pseudonym, right? You know, because you're, you're representing a brand or you're representing something that's not you. 
And so it's like putting on a bunch of different masks every day and trying to, uh, you know, it's almost like becoming an actor, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's like it's ghostwriting. But, you know, I think even for me um, in working with brands as um, a certain spokesperson sometimes, you know, definitely becoming an actor and infusing those values um, of the brand and um, taking on that voice, which is um, fun, you know, and hopefully it, it feels like play and work at the same time. Yeah, I, and I think it's a good, like I said, a good humbling experience to, you know, I went into writing when I was younger as one of those people in their 20s who thinks like, I have something to say. <laughs> like, I have a I have a message that I want to convey through my literature. And then now I'm just like, whatever. You know, I just like writing should be fun. Writing should be interesting. Um, but I've kind of, I've, I've gotten a lot more humbled in, you know, the, of just the practicality of writing and just, I take myself a lot less seriously. Um, I, I have a lot more fun with my writing and I've gotten, you know, people have responded a lot better. Uh, it's funny how that works. Like when you take yourself a lot less seriously, uh, I think people can just enjoy, uh, reading and interacting with you a lot more. So, yeah. You know, again, your mileage may vary based on your experience with an ad agency. Uh, but for me that, that was a lot of fun. But, yeah. Uh, sounds positive. Yeah. I'd say. Any other questions? Oh man, I have a million. But we will. <laughs> we should. We should leave room for our colleagues uh, who are beating on the door to come in and talk about CES. Uh, but uh, but yeah, you know, I want to uh, really thank you again, Co, uh, for you know stepping into this role as co-host and producer on the podcast. Uh, which the producer role is something people don't really see, but uh, is tremendously valued uh, and is is you know a huge part of making this podcast happen each week. Uh, remind us where people can find you on your preferred social platforms. Sure. Sure. Um, you can find me on Twitter at CoMTV. Um, I'm also on Instagram because I'm a very visual person. But um, I, you know, I think you can reach us through uh, the podcast email. It's podcast at adweek.com, right? Yep. Podcast at adweek.com. Yep. And um, we'd love to hear from you all. Um, I'd love to connect with you, uh, whether it's on LinkedIn or on some other platform. Um, I very much enjoy face-to-face interaction and um, want to thank you David for your patience as we continue building into the new year yeah no it's gonna be great all right so let's get back to our day jobs (laughs) we'll be right back (laughs) with our reporters who will be covering CES it's not too early to begin setting your 2020 goals get started today with the Institute for Brand Marketing a complimentary professional development program for marketers designed in collaboration between IBM Watson Advertising and Adweek In Course 1, Advanced Marketing Technologies, learn how to apply cutting-edge concepts like machine learning and AI to improve existing functions and solve business challenges. And in Course 2, Monetizable Engagement, find out how certain technologies are helping brands monetize marketing efforts across channels and the methods for attributing sales and other KPIs to marketing efforts. Don't miss the opportunity to cultivate the skills and knowledge to help you advance in a disruptive marketplace. Enroll today at adweek.com slash IBM. That's adweek.com slash IBM. And we are back with our intrepid reporters who are going to CES for the first time this year. We have our travel reporter, Ryan Barwick, and publishing editor, Sarah Jurdy. Thanks for being with us, guys. Thanks for having us. Likewise. Are we excited? <laughs> Is we, that a word that you ever associate with CES? Yeah. We are nervous. We are twitching a little bit, ready to get it over with, but excited. So, Sarah, you've been with Adweek a little longer than Ryan. Which conferences have you covered? I feel like you've been to some of the biggies. 
Yes. Well, I've been to our own brand week and I went to Cannes. Um, so I'm treating this like a Vegas can. I don't know if that's right or wrong, but yeah, without the beaches and yeah. And it's, I'm thinking yeah. like Rose is out the window and this is like a vodka soda crowd, but <laughs> could be wrong. Yeah, I've never been. So uh, I know Co. So, uh, Co. You've been. You've been to see yes. I have. I always tell people it's like walking through Times Square because you just everyone's favorite place to be in New York City, <laughs> yeah. Times Square. Yeah. So find your corner <laughs> if you're an introvert and and. Make, take some breaks. Um, so the Ryan, uh, you had a great feature in this week's uh, print issue of the of Adweek magazine about uh, carbon offsets, and and we wanted to talk a bit about environmental sustainable messages and how that'll be part of CES. I think when most of us picture CES, we think gadgets, we think mm. you know, look at look at all these things and drones and whatever, um, but. It feels like this is going to be a year where sustainability is a bit more of a conversation point. Mm. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about that uh, at our at our own brand meeting. It's like, is sustainability the new smart? That's you know, that's what the headline would read. Um, you see a lot of companies, a lot of startups uh, that are really trying to get into this space because. Uh, I think the climate conversation is now unavoidable. It's it's everywhere. And uh, at, at, in my story, you'll see that even now airlines, which um, travel overall, it makes up about 10% of all carbon emissions. So airlines contribute a great deal to that. Uh, and it's almost unavoidable. So like this whole climate conversation, the whole sustainable conversation is super unavoidable. And um, now we're turning to these brands that are trying to solve it, or at least trying to sell themselves as, as solving it or um, incorporating some some marketing behind uh, the sustainability movement. How have uh, airlines uh, handled that specifically? Because as you mentioned, you know, I know this isn't new to offer carbon offsets, but I've always found it a little weird when it's like, hey, you can buy a carbon offset for mm. the trip you're on our gas guzzling airline. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. no, it, it's interesting because you see different airlines doing different things. You'll see some airlines say, hey, if you fly with us, uh, we will pay for that carbon offset. We will put the money forward. And then other airlines saying, hey, you know, we'll pay for it, but you have to join our loyalty membership program. Uh, and then you will also see uh, airlines just saying, hey, you have to pay for it. We will provide that service. We will set up the uh, the partnerships with these carbon offsetting um, projects, uh, which are usually you know contributing funds to like a reforestation area, um, these kind of projects. So you, you see every different tier depending on the airline. I will say EasyJet, uh, which is a, a budget airline in the UK, they announced uh, a, about a month ago saying that they are just going to be a carbon neutral airline and they were going to put up the cost um, for, for their travelers. And I think it's really interesting because, uh, I mean, we'll see down the road. Are people going to choose EasyJet? Um, and, and also, interestingly enough, budget airlines are considered the more conscious uh, airlines, not just be, not not because they do anything um, that's environmentally friendly, just because they fit as many people on these jets as possible, which is kind of interesting. Ryan, I'm curious. Um, when you were reporting out your story, was the onus – I mean, did they decide to start doing this because consumers wanted it or they were finally realizing that the earth was dying and they wanted to help out? Like what was the onus for them doing this? Uh, probably a little bit of both. I think you've seen uh, – definitely in Europe, there's this whole flight shaming movement. Uh, Greta Thunberg, this 16-year-old who just becomes a sensation uh, calling out against these um, – 
calling out these corporations for their contributions to climate change. Um, there is a movement in Europe that will probably not take hold of like a flight shaming movement where people are uh, embarrassed to fly. Again, that will probably never take hold in the United States. Um, but I think it's just kind of a natural response to that to paint themselves as more green, more sustainable, more environmentally friendly. Um, and of course, the activists would call that greenwashing, which is saying calling yourself green, but really not really not doing anything to solve the problem. Uh, I think the activists would say uh, carbon offsets are fine, but what really solves the problem is just not flying as much. So Ryan, who will be um, speaking and representing their brands at CES this year? Yeah, so have your eye on? Delta's uh, CEO at Bastion uh, is going to be one of the keynote uh, speeches. Um, I'm really curious to see what he's going to announce because we don't really see it. Like when I think of CES, uh, like David, you were saying, I think of gadgets, I think of tech. I don't really think of these travel brands. Um, but two, they are the first airline, but they're definitely not the first travel brand to be a part of CES. Uh, in 2017, Carnival CEO Aaron Donaldson um, announced this really interesting um, kind of spin off of the Disney Magic Band, which was this ocean medallion um, that's now available on Princess Cruises. Um, and I actually spoke with John Paget, who is Carnival's uh, Chief of Innovation Officer, I believe that's the title, um, uh, about this program. And it it's basically follows uh, travelers on a cruise ship. And, you know, with this little button on their phone, you can, you know, order a margarita wherever you are. And it kind of tracks you, shows you a map of the entire ship. Um, so that was a really interesting uh, collaboration, I guess, between uh, a travel brand and CES, this giant conference. Um, but it will be uh, – I'm really curious to see what Delta does because I think an airline is a completely different thing than a cruise ship. Um, you're in a very contained space. Uh, there's only so much you can do. You're kind of trapped there. So um, I'm curious to see what they will be announcing and what they'll be doing. Yeah, and Sarah, um, from where you stand and, and your coverage here, um, there will be a lot of publishers um, trying to make some splash or really just there to – have their own activations. Is that right? Well, publishers are there for kind of a different reason than a travel company would be. Publishers are there to try and make deals with potential brands and clients. So they're going to be walking the showroom floor and, of course, talking about the technology. But they're also really going to be up, my understanding is, in hotel rooms um, and these suites where they're going to be putting together ad packages for, for 2020 and talking about the different innovation that they're going to be seeing on their websites. Um it's an interesting landscape for media going into 2020 this year because we have a number of, of media companies who have now merged some of their smaller brands into these big, gigantic now portfolios. Um, I wrote about what Bustle Digital Group is going to be doing. Um, they're going into CES, a completely different company than they went into it in previous years. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how these conversations are shifting now that they have more assets to play around with and work with as these larger you know, media media companies with a different kind of, of brands. Yeah, and hopefully cut through the clutter because there really is so much to um, keep track of. Uh, Ryan, do you have any big companies that you're following? Yeah, uh, Uber Elevate is going to be at CES. I'm really curious what they're doing because they're on a really ambitious timeline. Um I believe, and I will fact check this, uh, they want to be operational in three cities by 2023, um, which is like right around the corner. And to have a like a full scale, um, you know, 
vehicle service. It's, it's not a helicopter, but it's like a helicopter operating in three cities, I think is really fascinating. Um, I'm really curious what they're going to unveil and what they're going to be doing. And uh, I think the whole Uber portfolio is kind of fascinating. And I think righteously is critically looked at, um, but really curious what they do. Yeah, in in years past, you know, Lyft will um, have people try out the, mm. the autonomous driving, and um, it, it really is a stage for um, some announcements, but others, you know, like, for example, you never really hear that much about appliances yeah, um, yeah. being announced, but then you get to see all the, the latest televisions um, in a very enlarged space. Yeah, so, I think that, that's one of the things I'm most excited about. I think beyond my own reporting and wanting to see what these brands are doing uh, and, and the changes they make, I just want to walk the showroom. I have super high expectations, but literally everyone is telling, telling me that's absolutely crazy. So I just kind of want to be there, see what's going on, um, see what I need to pay attention to and kind of see what we're going to be seeing unveiled over the course of the year. Because it sounds like CES kind of sets the tone for the rest of the year, at least in the, the tech world. I'll share what was uh, the advice that was given to me. If you've gone to the cell phone cases, you've gone too far. Oh, okay. <laughs> so go, go in the other direction and make sure you try like bread from vending machines or something like that. Um, Sarah, there'll also be some activations, right, with HBO, um, different shows, trying to make a splash. Mm-hmm. Um, what else is on your radar? Um, so, you know, HBO in partnership with Giant Spoon, who is known to be doing these pretty crazy and huge activations. They've done some really interesting work at South by Southwest for Westworld. Um, believe that was last year, and they took everyone into the the town of Westworld. Um, so for season three, they're going to be hosting a dinner. Um, I don't know exactly what to expect, but Nick and I, who is our video editor here, will be attending that dinner. Um, the only hints that I've heard so far are that it's going to be a teaser for season three, and it's going to be talking about data privacy and what that looks like. Um, So, yeah, keeping my eyes open for that. Also, the different platforms are going to be there. So we're going to take a look at what Twitter is doing. They're going to have their own activation of um, branded tweets that performed well this past year. So, you know, hearing from them, too, about what publishers can expect as we head into the new year will be really interesting. And I'm sure a lot of the publishers will be keeping an eye on um, keynote speaker Ivanka Trump, mm-hmm. which has already kind of created some some buzz about mm-hmm. why is she there. Um, yeah, and to clarify, it's not a keynote. She's going to be doing a Q&A with um, the president of the CTA, which puts on the, um, the event. So I, all we know for sure right now is that she's going to be talking about the administration's work as it pertains to um, working conditions, um, you know, depending on, I think, your your political leanings, you might have a certain take already on that. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, though. We'll be there and we'll be covering it. So check our coverage. Yeah. Can, can I give a uh, prediction on the Westworld dinner? Certainly. I I just feel like I have no idea. I have no I, I know nothing about this, but I feel like it's going to be one of those where they like cyber stalk you a bit, and then they they use microphones and stuff to to plant little little learnings about you. If it, if they're saying it's a privacy thing, you know what I mean, and they're going to be like dropping little hints about Sarah Jurdy's life or about Nick or whoever. And I, they did this. Someone did this a few years ago. 
where they had this like whole backroom secret microphone thing where they were trying to spook people about their privacy of like you don't you don't realize how much you you reveal online and so they did this kind of activation they picked random people at this event where they would come up and start telling them all this you know private information about themselves that they they gleaned as if like they just magically knew all this stuff but the funniest part was the one I'm thinking of they randomly picked Cindy Gallup uh, who is like one of the best known figures in all of advertising. And so Yeah, do you think that was like, random, Griner? I, I, mm. I do because they 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 made it out like as if they were going to somehow surprise her that they knew that these facts about her when she is literally the most transparent <laughs> person. <laughs> like like her her entire thing is about like I wish everyone publicly broadcast their own sexual acts. You know, it's like like that's her whole personal brand. And then they were they were like, oh look how much we've learned about you. And part of me was just like, well, that's that's a that's a bad pick. And to, if you're trying to find somebody who doesn't know how much information about them is already out there, but uh, but I don't know. That's my random shot in the dark. Uh, well, that... they they have asked some pretty interesting questions because when we when we RSVP'd, um, they said you know please send your links to your personal um, social media accounts. And then they said something like, how scared of you are you of the future? So, yeah, I'm expecting things to get real weird. I don't like this. I don't like this. Yeah, right. Sarah Sarah just wrote back, what future? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Privacy is, though, going to be a a big conversation, especially with, um, you know, uh, 5G finally kind of going going into 2020 and also um, the CCPA uh, really coming into effect. So I think that will be kind of... So, like a, a backdrop um, for everybody. I don't know if the message will be everyone be scared about the, <laughs> the future, but um, definitely something to something that will be a buzzword. I think going into CES. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone should, everyone should be scared about the future. That's just that's just. <laughs> I know I just am. A personal philosophy. <laughs> just just in general. I mean, you know, that, then it, at the worst you you'll just be, or at the best you'll you'll be pleasantly surprised if things turn out better than you. But otherwise, you know, you're just bound to be disappointed. On that uplifting note, we should probably move on because we still need to make room for uh, Co's interview that she did with, um, you know, with some of the one of the behind the scenes folks uh, from CES. So uh, thank you both so much, uh, Ryan and Sarah, for making time for us. And I can't wait to see your coverage coming out of CES. Thanks very much. Thanks for having us. And finally, we spoke with Gene Foster, the SVP of Marketing and Communications at the CTA, or the Consumer Technology Association, which is the trade organization that puts on CES every year. Here's a little bit of our conversation. All right. Well, thank you, Gene, for joining us uh, right before your travels to CES. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, too. I hope you had a good one. Yes, thank you. Any uh, New Year's resolutions? Um. At my age, I've given up making New Year's resolutions. <laughs> my, my focus at this time of year is to get us successfully through the next week and a half. Um, yes, yeah, yes. We, we leave. Uh, actually, we, I head to Las Vegas tomorrow. Yeah. So um, I know that one of the first things that you're doing is moderating a panel. Uh, I, I imagine that you've been doing some preparation in talking to these CMOs. Um, can you tell me a little bit about what you've been hearing from leaders in the industry? Sure. So so the panel that we're doing is actually part of a new program that I initiated last year at CES, focusing on the CMO community. community. It's called CMO Insights. Um, so this is the second year we're running with it. 
And I actually, we've got some some great panelists lined up and some great topics. It's on Monday afternoon um, at the Sea Space part of CES, which is in the area. Um, we're I'm going to be kicking off uh, with the CMOs of um, of GM, of Deloitte, and uh, Business Insider, and we're going to be focusing the first session on the C part of the CMO, you know, the, the C-suite part and what are the business angles of the CMO's roles. So um, the, uh, that audience are really great brands and, um, and they're, they're keen to talk about, you know, the, the changing role of the, of the chief marketing officer. Yeah, and, and in your view, and in, in speaking with um, many of the industry leaders, um, what do you think uh, marketers, lead marketers, need to think about um, in in twenty twenty? So I, I think you know, as, as we were ta- as I'm talking to these these CMOs, and we have a number of, of sessions during that 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 program. Um, you know, one is on one is on diversity and inclusion. Another one is on on digital healthcare. Um, what I'm seeing from marketers and, and chief marketing officers of some of these brands is um, that obviously they're they're focusing on the things that are traditionally within the CMO's domain, such as a brand, brand purpose, brand integrity. They're focusing on uh, the creative aspects of their role, but but they're really you know with with the C-suite now, I see them taking on a much broader business role. So obviously, all of the folks that we're talking to, they're focusing on the revenue. Um, they're focusing mm-hmm. on disruption in their industries, um, which obviously is one of the reasons that they're all coming to to CES because they're looking at what the technologies that are emerging um, and how those technologies are going to impact their industries. Um, so I, when I when I look at this, you know, I as a CMO, you got to be you got to wear many hats. You got to understand the technology stack for your domain, you know, the ad tech and martech stack. But what we're seeing with a lot of these these CMOs who are coming to to CES is they're really focusing on technology on a much wider level, looking at what's coming down the pike that could disrupt their business, their industry, and taking those stories back to the C-suite. Yeah, I see um, that you also have um, this innovation for all uh, programming. Um, do you? See any theme so far? Anything that's really already creating buzz as you go into the conference, whether it's um, using voice or uh, deeper conversations about AI. So we've got there, there's so many sessions go on as you as you know this is a big <laughs> is a big platform and we have uh, we have over 300 sessions uh, conference sessions throughout the uh, four or five five days of the show if you include Monday, which is actually a pre show day. Um, so there's. So we've got many, many tracks. Um, you mentioned diversity and inclusion. This is obviously something that we're very passionate about at, at, at CTA. Um, you know, actually, for me personally, I've been here for four years, and uh, this is the first time I've led. I've been in an organization that is uh, predominantly female. Um, it's I've come from the tech industry, which that wasn't the case. But this is a diversity and inclusion is a platform that we at CTA um, are really focusing on. Um, both from well, how we program CES and making sure that we've got diverse voices on all of our stages, um, but also what we're doing more broadly in the industry. You know, the other 
361 days of the year that we're not all tied up at, at CES. Um, you know, we focus on bringing together our member organizations um, to focus on best practices for diversity and inclusion in the workforce. We've actually got a a working group focused on that area. So the diversity and inclusion and innovation for all is really focusing as a a platform at CES to make sure that we have diverse voices in technology. Um, It's going to be, you know, we've we've got got speakers, we've got topics. We're going to be covering everything from, you know, best practices to build a diverse workforce all the way through to how to address some of the challenges we're seeing today in um, bias in AI. You know, so those are some of the platforms that we're, we're discussing. CS is a, is a um, most people think about it, they know the trade show aspect of it. Um, but actually, you know, it's it's a really important platform for, for policy discussions, industry-wide discussions. Yeah. And, and I know I, I want to bring up um, one thing that will be different this year in terms of um, policy, I suppose, uh, which is um, the Laura DiCarlo Award. And um, you're implementing a one-year trial of um, presenting sex tech in the industry. That's something that's changed from last year. Any further comment on that? I know you guys put out a statement, um, you know, rectifying the situation. Yeah, we we are um, we're actually really excited about this aspect of the of the show this year. You know, as as we we've been very open about this. You know, we've we said you know how this was was you know it wasn't handled well last year. We rectified it. Uh, we we gave the award to to Laura De, the Laura De Carlo team. We've actually been working with them. They've been we we're working with them and a number of other industry advisors to say okay, um, clearly um, sexual. Health technology is a part of health and wellness, which is a key aspect of our show. You know, it's up there with sleep technology. Um, so we said it makes sense for it to be part of the show, but we're also conscious that this is a global show. We have, you know, we've got, you know, 175,000 people from around the, the globe. Um, and, you know, when we, so when we put on a program like this or open up new technologies, we just got to be very focused on how we do this without, you know, like, offending anybody. So we worked with a number of advisors, including the um, the, the Laura DiCarlo team, on how best to do this. We are doing it in a trial, um, but the companies that you're going to see showcased um, have been working with us uh, really closely, um, you know, all very professional organizations. And I think, you know, you're, you're, you're going to see this uh, throughout the, the health and wellness section of the show. Yeah, and 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 um, I know that you're also trying to increase the diversity of keynote speakers. Yes, so we've we've obviously um, you know been focusing on um, both the keynotes, but all of the other platforms. You know, pe- people focus very much on the keynote stage because that is you know the large corporations, um, big names on that stage. But as I said, you know we have we have over three hundred sessions at the show, so I always encourage people to look at all of the speakers on all of our stages. Um, you know, not just the the keynote because. Those are, you know, the other stages are the future leaders of tomorrow. And this is a, a, a platform for them to get their voices out. So we've been very focused on making sure, we, you know, that we're, we're driving um, and, and using the CES platform. It's a very powerful platform. So we want to use that, you know, correctly. Um, so we have implemented policies over the last couple of years uh, where we focused on ensuring that any panel that we put on is a diverse panel. 
Um, we personally in the organization will not sit on and speak on panels that are not diverse when we speak at other events. So that's something that we've brought to the show. Um, when we're looking at the keynote stage, um, not only do we go out and issue invitations um, to a wide range of, of companies, but we also um, encourage those keynote companies uh, to bring on a diverse a diverse range of attendees in their um, their own organizations. Um, so we've got a number of initiatives going on, but but the goal for us is to make sure that we're showcasing ever you know all of the diverse voices on all of our stages as well as as the keynote. Yeah, one keynote who is um, gathering many headlines before the show um, is Miss Vanka Trump. Um, are you expecting uh, any kind of negative coverage around that, or what? What are you hearing from the members about um, about her coming in to to speak about STEM and and tech in this day and age? So, so one of the areas that we focus on as an organization, and I should I should probably you know um, for your audience explain a little bit more about the Consumer Technology Association because everybody knows CES but people are not quite familiar with us as an association. So we represent the technology industry. We represent over 2,000 members in the U.S., uh, from the largest tech companies to, to small startups. We focus on a number of platforms, and one of those platforms is um, the future of work. It's a key policy issue for us. Um, the tech industry mm-hmm. has created millions of jobs through AI and robotics, um, and as an industry, we have a responsibility to prepare for the jobs of the future. So, what we're going to be talking about um, on that on that specific session is the future of of work um, and the future of jobs and what companies have to do to make sure that they've got the right skill sets um, and the right pipeline of employees. We need to do this across the tech industry. So uh, we work closely with a number of groups, including the White House. And Ivanka Trump is a senior White House official who's working on job creation and economic growth through workforce development, skills training and entrepreneurships. So that's a key platform for us. And that's what she's going to be focusing on. Um, and it kind of builds on some of the themes that we had. Like last year, you know, we had Ginny Rometty of IBM um, on our keynote stage and she launched um, their, talked about their uh, apprenticeship program which is a model that we've taken and actually rolled out to a number of our members. So that's going to be the focus of that conversation is the future of work and jobs and what do we need to do to make sure that we're getting the right skill sets and the right pipeline for the workforce. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, before I let you go, um, we know it's it's a crowded space. It's going to be a very busy week for everybody involved. Um, over the years, um What's some advice um, to stand out, really, um, and um, not just you know being inclusive, but also um, provide kind of exclusive content insights um, in when there are so many people there and so many things to look out for. So, so one thing I've learned over the last few years is not to predict what's going to be the breakout because we're always surprised by what the breakout hits are. Last year it was the Impossible Burger. Um, you yes, know, and he's going to be back. And it was yeah, and that area. But they 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 did. We've got a great case study from from them. So you know, so the advice to to companies is is we offer we offer a lot of platforms. Um, you know, we have our media days that we run on Sunday and Monday, uh, where a lot of companies uh, 
decided to go in and, and you know use those, that platform to really target the media. We have two days of intense uh, media briefings. Um, so that's always a good opportunity to stand out because you've really got you've got over six thousand members of the world media in one space for two days. So we always encourage people to look at that. Um, Alongside that, we have um, in a, what we call a CS Unveiled Las, uh, Las Vegas, which is, again, a media-only event, and it's like a microcosm of the show. So we have a number of companies come along for a three-hour session to you know, to look at that. Um, and it you know, gives the, the, the media an opportunity to identify what are maybe some of the stories. Um, but we also encourage companies just to reach out to us. We've got, we've got some great stories of you know, companies that have reached out to us in the past couple of years where they said, hey, this is the type of product I'm going to announce. Um, and, you know, every day we get called, you know, we, we talk to, to broadcast media um, and we say, okay, here's some of the stories that you might want to pursue. And one of those companies um, that had reached out to us a couple of years ago with a product, um, it's a, they call it a nano sensing. It's a, it's a sensing product that's as small as a fingernail um, that can be used to detect gases. Um, that ended up on Good Morning America. You know, so you can't you can't buy that type of publicity. So there's a lot of uh, serendipity that happens at the show. Uh, but we always encourage people to either you know to 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 look at the media programs that we put on, or just you know reach out to us and and um, you know have a great product, have a great story, have a have a passionate story that you know connects with people, and uh, and the media will come find them. Yeah, and and have a great start to the new year. Gene <laughs> yes. um, Foster, uh, SVP of Marketing and Communications at the CTA. Thank you so much for joining us for our first podcast. And um, again, Happy New Year. Happy New Year and great to talk to you. All right. Well, thanks so much for that and for sharing your interview. I uh, definitely encourage everybody to check out adweek.com and uh, our, follow our coverage of CES. Check out this week's print issue where we've got all sorts of great features about CES. We didn't even have time to get into our cover story, which we're going to be hitting up uh, very soon uh, in the next episode. So we'll tell you all, all sorts of new stuff about that, about the future of blockchain and kind of what happened with that, how it went from being one of the hottest topics in marketing to kind of stalling out. And, uh, and where it's headed next. So we'll be talking about that next time. Our theme music is by Home. Uh, this week's episode was produced by Co-M with production assistance by Nick Gardner and edited by Lane McGivney. Uh, if you have not already, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Those reviews help new listeners discover the show and they just make us feel good. Uh, and uh, you don't forget, you can drop us a note anytime, podcast at adweek.com. That's podcast at adweek.com. Uh, for Adweek, I'm David Greiner, and we will be back next week. Thank you.